that's this, this podcast. I'm Eric Fruits, and this is my podcast, and I hope you stick around for the whole thing. If you want to get a hold of me, just Google Eric Fruits. That's Eric with a C and Fruits, just like Fruits and Nuts. I'm the world's easiest person to find on Google. And I hope you enjoy this nutty tour where economics mixes it up with the real world. Today visits a mixed-up world where the homeless are arrested for stealing less than a penny's worth of electricity, while high-end electric vehicle drivers get priority parking plus free power. Then we take a trip in the wacky world of healthcare, where we learn that expanded Medicaid coverage may lead to increased smoking by pregnant mothers-to-be. We end with the silly world of solar energy, where you find some of the lowest of low-wage workers. Yes, this. This is my first podcast. I'd love to hear your advice, comments, and story ideas. Just Google Eric Fruits. That's Eric with a C and fruits, like fruits and nuts. So, let's get going. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably have a smartphone. Have you ever thought about how much it costs to charge that smartphone? Would you believe that it costs only 25 cents a year? To charge your smartphone. Well, think about that as you hear this next story. In Portland, Oregon, Street Roots, which is a newspaper focusing on the homeless, reports that a homeless former social worker with muscular dystrophy was hit with a misdemeanor theft charge for charging her phone from a plug on a little planter that was sitting on the sidewalk. She spent a day in jail when she missed her arraignment. Now remember, that electricity cost 25 cents a year. But still, worried that she would plead guilty and that would put a black mark on her record that would interfere with her ability to get public housing, she pled innocent. After two court dates with two different public defenders, the DA finally dropped the charge. Think about that. Misdemeanor theft for 25 cents a year in electricity. Go back a little bit more in time. Late last year, the Oregonian newspaper reported that the Portland Mass Transit Agency, known as TriMet, cut off free electricity to battery-depleted commuters who discovered that there were not-so-hidden power outlets tucked under its light rail schedule and map kiosks. A lot of people would just plug in while they were waiting for the train. They covered them up because they didn't want people to steal their electricity. Now, fast forward to today. The Portland Business Journal is reporting that the Oregon legislature is considering a House bill called House Bill 2092. This House Bill 2092 would reward and award rebates to Oregonians who buy electric vehicles, a Nissan Leaf, a Chevy Volt, the Volkswagen e-Golf, and other all-electric vehicles now on the market, including the ultra-high-end Tesla Model S. This legislation being pushed through the legislature right now in Oregon would provide a $3,000 rebate to buyers of electric cars and $1,500 to buyers of plug-in electric vehicles. Already in Portland, if you look around the city, electric vehicles have priority parking in front of a lot of buildings, and they get to plug into free electricity for the time that they are parked. So your electric vehicle can suck down all the electricity it wants for free, while a homeless person trying to charge his phone for less than a quarter a year gets hit up with a misdemeanor theft charge. Pretty wacky world we live in. To show how even wackier it is, let's travel to the other side of the country in Georgia. Georgia is actually pulling its electric vehicle subsidies, getting rid of them. On top of that, Vice News is reporting that the state is about ready to get rid of its $5,000 tax credit. And on top of that, add a $200 a year electric vehicle tax to recoup the state's drop in gasoline tax revenues 
because of the increased use in electric vehicles. Who would have thought that a few electrons would cause so many headaches and generate such screwy policies? The world of medicine, healthcare, and health insurance is a crazy place, and sometimes economics can make that a little bit less crazy. When Obamacare's Medicaid expansion was being pushed, proponents argued that the increased insurance coverage would do wonderful things for prenatal and newborn health. The thinking was is that poor women who were on Medicaid would go visit their doctor. The doctor would tell them to stop smoking, tell them to eat better, tell them to exercise more, and that these women would listen to their doctors. They would stop smoking, they would eat better, and they would exercise more. And in the end, the thinking was then that baby itself would be much better because the mother was healthy. But a new working paper is questioning that promise. The paper is called, Does Medicaid Coverage for Pregnant Women Affect Prenatal Health Behaviors? Pretty fancy title. And is published by the National Bureau of Economic Research. The working paper researchers found that increased Medicaid eligibility is associated with a significant increase in prenatal smoking. Let me say that again. Increased Medicaid eligibility is associated with a significant increase in prenatal smoking. And it's worse than you think. Not only is increased Medicaid eligibility associated with an increased probability of smoking while pregnant, increased eligibility is associated with an increased probability of smoking more than five cigarettes a day while pregnant. So not only are pregnant women smoking, but they're smoking more than they were before they went on Medicaid. So what the heck is going on? The researchers argue that two factors are at work. First, with Medicaid, those covered pay little or nothing for their insurance, doctor's visits, and many types of treatment. This frees up a bunch of money to buy other things. The researchers estimated that in their study, the Medicaid expansion amounted to an average of $700 a year in increased disposable income. Now, it's well known that cigarettes are what economists call a normal good, meaning that all other things being equal, an increase in income would be associated with increased cigarette smoking. Make more money, you buy more smokes. And so, when the Medicaid expansion frees up additional disposable income, some of that extra money is spent on smokes. The second factor the researchers identified is what economists call a moral hazard. With Medicaid insurance coverage, treating any illness or pregnancy complication is virtually free. You just walk into the doctor, and they treat you and send you on your way. Because the treatment is free, there's a reduced incentive to engage in healthier, but less fun or less enjoyable activities. Why would you quit smoking if the doctor can fix you for free? If you get a cough, he'll give you cough drops. It's important to note that this study focuses on a very narrow issue, so we shouldn't be too quick to draw broad conclusions. Nevertheless, the researchers themselves suggest that their findings help explain the observation that increased Medicaid expansion seems to have no significant effect on newborns' health. After the massive and splendid failure of Solyndra, you would think that the solar energy business couldn't get any crazier. But it does get crazier, and it seems to get crazier every day. Even last week, there was a crazy story. President Obama announced a new initiative to train military veterans for a career in the solar industry. Sounds good so far. Sounds like a noble goal. The new program is called the Solar Ready Vets Program, and it would help military veterans learn new skills needed to work in the solar industry after they leave the armed forces. 
The solar industry, Mr. Obama said, was a natural growth industry that could help returning soldiers transition back into civilian life. Quote, the solar industry is actually adding jobs 10 times faster than the rest of the economy, than the economy, unquote, Mr. Obama said. He also said, quote, they're good paying jobs that are helping folks enter into the middle class, unquote. Let's say that again. Mr. Obama said they are good paying jobs that are helping folks enter into the middle class. Meanwhile, in Oregon, According to an Oregonian newspaper investigation, SolarWorld, which has been described as a solid name in the green energy business, but is a struggling business nonetheless, pays its factory workers $11 an hour. Now that sound, may sound like a lot in other parts of the country, but it's really not a whole lot of money. It's really not those good paying jobs that President Obama was talking about. In particular, think of it this way. Those workers at SolarWorld earn a little bit less than what you work working than what you earn working retail, but it pays a little bit more than what a restaurant cook gets paid. But here's the kicker. Even at those relatively low wages, the state's solar projects using Solar World's technology was a financial loser. It just didn't pencil out. And they were struggling and they couldn't find an answer. And finally, they came up with a solution. A solution to make their project pencil out. It's a twist that sounds like the plot of a really bad comedy or a modern version of the Shawshank Redemption. Oregon turned to, drum roll please, prison labor. That's right. Because they couldn't afford to pay $11 an hour, the state decided to use prison labor that pays 93 cents an hour. That's right. Less than $1 an hour on their solar projects when $11 an hour didn't work. Now, what's really funny about this twist is that right now in the Oregon legislature, the, the Democratic side is pushing a $15 an hour minimum wage. And one of their arguments is, is that businesses can absorb those additional labor costs and they could pass on the cost to consumers. But when we look at the solar energy business, we see that they can't pass on those costs, even at $11 an hour, and they had to turn to prison labor. It's a funny world we live in. I think we need to have a separate segment called Meanwhile in Oregon. Thanks for listening to Real World Econ. I'm Eric Fruits, and I'm glad you stuck around for the whole thing. As I said before this, yes, this one is my first podcast. I'd love to hear your advice, comments, and story ideas. Just Google Eric Fruits. That's Eric with a C, and Fruits, just like Fruits and Nuts. I hope we're both back next week. Uh-huh.